Well, good day, Cam. Hail and well met, Mitch. How are you this fine Saturday morning? I'm uh, I'm okay. Don't make How eye contact with the dog. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> if I don't move, he can't see me. He can't see me. He's like a T-Rex. So, I wanted to start off the show talking about something that I discovered. Um, I had this article sitting in my, uh, I think my laptop's possessed. It just, it just, uh, like closed something and then opened up something and it's just kind of doing its own thing over off to my side over here. That's weird. That's because I have remote hack into your device. Okay. Stuart. Now pulling up Teletubbies marathon. <laughs> Enjoy. But I ran across this article a while back and uh, finally took the time to mess around with this. So it's a super easy shortcut um, because I could do it without much help. So, (laughs) but it's a, it's a way to change your watch face based on time, based on location, Mm -hmm. like whatever you want to do in, uh, in shortcuts with your watch face well so what i did is i tied it to uh i tied a specific watch face that i typically use at work to my work focus and so now when the work focus starts and i have that time based i could do location based but uh but when it starts it automatically flips my watch face to this alternate face and then at night when i get done with work it switches it back to my normal face. So I think uh, I think it's a really cool uh really cool thing. And you're laughing. My favorite part of well, the favorite my favorite part about all of that is that if someone just heard the last like twenty seconds of that conversation without <laughs> the introduction, based on the time, my face changes. <laughs> and when I get home, it changes my face back. <clears throat> yeah, that is kind of funny. And now I'm looking for that article to put in show notes and I can't find it. So, oh, how to automatically change your Apple watch face. <clears throat> I'll get that in show notes for the show today. Uh, that was an app. That was a Mac rumors article um, mm. from a while back. But it is a nice segue into uh, our next topic. Is it not? Yeah, we are. We're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, well, it's part two of our uh, WWDC announcements review, so we'll go ahead and get into that. All right. So WatchOS 9 uh, was the next thing on the docket for that. So what do you think, man? We've been a, a few weeks departed from uh, Yeah. From this, I think my, so. my, <laughs> one of my the, the funniest things to me when they're introducing this, it's like four new watch faces, new banner notification. Also, you can now search in the podcast app on your watch. Like, <laughs> why did this? Like, it seems like such a small detail to include in the big news about watch OS nine. Like there is all this, you know, new AFib stuff and medications and new workout and metrics and stuff like stuff that like is actually important and good and helpful. But they took the time to mention that you can now search in the podcast app from your watch, which I thought was hysterical. 
You know what my note says about that? What? Podcast app update. <laughs> it's like, I, I didn't even, it's like, yeah, whatever. That's, I mean, neither one of us uses that, so. Yeah. So it certainly wasn't, it wasn't important to us. Oh, no, but I mean, I wrote it down specifically because it made me laugh during the keynote. I was like, why are we talking about this? Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's three new uh, running form metrics, new way to set heart zones, and you can do like work recovery uh, portions of your, of your routine. Um, multi-sport workout for triathletes, which mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Not that I am ever going to do a triathlon. You know, but anytime we see that, uh, that kind of thing, um, you know, advanced, um, technologically, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So I was excited about, even though I don't think it's gonna, it's gonna really do much for me, but Mm -hmm. no, they also made the fitness app available for all iPhone users, not just Apple watch owners, which I had, to be honest, didn't realize that was the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, because I just had an Apple watch for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you what happened to my first one, right? How it died. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was, there was a drumming incident. A what? A drumming incident? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I had that watch for so long that the battery swelled and popped the screen up. <laughs> which was a known problem but i didn't know about it until it occurred yeah. uh, but so anyways it's just nice i think that now i don't know you know how accurate the fitness data will be when it's just the iphone and not the watch and i'm sure it's limited but um i think you know for people that like want to use it for like walks or you know uh timing different sorts of uh workouts that you don't really need the watch for accurate stuff i think it's super helpful and you can also like um yeah, never mind. I was going to say something incorrect. So I will stop myself before I say something incorrect. I don't want the internet to yell at me. Anything about watch OS that it, else that excites you? Well, me? I mean, we didn't talk about the new watch faces. So um, I don't know if there's any here. I thought the Metropolitan face was kind of cool looking. But um, the Astronomy face, you know, I don't get super excited about those, but it was interesting. The Lunar face is super busy. So I know that's one that you're probably not going to be super excited about. <laughs> um, the playtime face was like, I, that's what I need on my watch face is numbers with legs. <laughs> so, you know what, Mitch, you just, you could use a little more whimsy in your life. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of numbers with legs. You don't like to anthropomorphize your time. No, I don't need that. That's not something I need in my life. Um, new Siri interaction. I think this is a nice little upgrade, uh, that it's taking the, instead of taking over the entire screen for, uh, Siri, now you'll get little drop down banners. You'll get the, uh, mm-hmm. you'll get the, um, Siri orb at the bottom of the screen instead of it taking over the whole screen. So, um, just ni- nice little, uh, improvements. Um, they, they, introduced banner notifications on the apple watch so instead of again instead of your notifications taking up the whole screen now they they'll just pop down from the top and then go away just like they do on the iphone so i'm digging that yeah it just it feels like a really nice refinement Mm -hmm. 
and they're uh, bringing rich complications to some of the older watch faces that don't already have them. So I think that's a huge improvement for those that really like some of the older watch faces and, and such. So that's good. Um, there's going to be the Sleep app got an update. So they have, uh, they have included what they're calling sleep stages, which was a big miss in uh, the Sleep app up till now. Uh, because not because they could tell you in the sleep app, like, oh, you slept from this time to this time. Now they're going to be able to tell you, well, you slept from this time to this time, but you had deep sleep during this this time of the night. You had uh, you were lighter. You slept lighter during these portions of the night. What what time were you in REM sleep? Those sorts of things. So it kind of gives you a little bit more information about the quality of your sleep. So I think that's Siri a good thing. sees you when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. He knows when you're awake. Yeah, or she, depending. <laughs> Yeah, my my Siri is a Australian guy, but I still refer to she, Siri as a she a lot, and my daughter always corrects me. Uh, no, yeah. Siri's a boy, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Siri is whatever you want it to be. Siri is non-binary. Oh boy, let's move um, on. Uh, AFib history. I think we we discussed this briefly when we were going through um, and talking about the iPhone a couple weeks ago, but. Uh, AFib history will be a, a pretty cool thing for uh, for those who deal with with uh, regular AFib um, to be able to track all all of your your heart health and be able to share that with your doctor. So I think that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, definitely. And then I think the medications app is going to be really cool too because this is something that I've wanted and I've played around with a few apps that do this and haven't been totally happy with with what has been offered um for this but uh but just having the drug interactions um information being able to get alerts to remind you to take your medication uh i'm sure it's going to have some way to log the uh the medication so that you know if you took it or not because that's something that i run into sometimes is i get up the next morning because i usually take my uh allergy medicine before i go to bed at night and so sometimes I get up in the morning and I'm thinking, well, did I take it or didn't I take it? And I don't remember. And so having a place where I can log that would be really, really good for me. So that way I'm not doubling up. So Well, yeah, and that's super helpful, too, for like when you doubling up on a medicine could cause major issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? For some for sure. of the medications. And I also like, too, that it, they had this thing called... uh drug to drug interaction notices Mm -hmm. so it'll tell you like hey don't drink alcohol when you're on this drug or don't you shouldn't take this drug because you're on this other one and them together is Mm -hmm. bad um i just think oh yeah all around the whole medications thing like the is a really 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 good thing and i'm surprised it's taken this long to be honest yeah because of all the things they're they've done with the health and watch and all stuff this one seems like low-hanging fruit Mm -hmm. compared to like tracking your blood oxygen through your watch sensor or, you know, that sort of stuff. This one seems much simpler yeah, uh, and way more beneficial for more people because of how many people, you know, do take medications for one reason or another. So. Right. Right. So um, it also, they also had a, uh, the ability to share with your family uh, with privacy in mind. Um, so you know, if you have a parent that uh, is on medication and uh, and you want to make sure that they're taking the medication, uh, you can you can connect with them 
um, through the iPhone and the Apple Watch to make sure that, or this medications app at least, to make sure that uh, that things things are going the way they need to go with with family members, and be able to send reminders to them. I'd be interested to see how much uh, flexibility that there, how much this does as far as like like setting sending reminders or, um, you know, hey, your family member hasn't taken their medication today. Do you, do you want to send a, a message to them, you know, or something like that? Because if it doesn't have something like that, I don't know, see how useful this is. But if it has that, I think that would be quite useful. I so. guess we can find out. Okay. So one thing they didn't announce um, in the, uh, in the uh, WWDC keynote that uh, um, has come out recently, and this, this isn't an Apple announcement so much as it's a F uh fda um thing but the fda gave clearance for the apple watch to be used for parkinson's research and they've been doing this with research kit for a while but what this changes is that rather than um taking or collecting anonymous information and it being sent through research kit what this gives the capability of the apple watch to do is collect all this information and store it store it on your device so that you can share it with your doctor and so you know i right away my dad has parkinson's so i right away sent this off to my my mom to say hey you know this is something that you might want to keep your eye on and talk to your uh doctor about um and yeah that's see awesome if that, see if that's something that would be useful because when you have um with parkinson's you you know there's a, there's jitters that come along with it there's you know, difficulty, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say difficulty walking, but just it affects the way you, you walk. And all of that stuff is data points to know, like, how, how is it progressing? How is, you know, um, what are the, the issues and how can we use this information to um, better treat the, the patient? So for my dad, for one, it would be really neat to be able to, you know, f- you know, if he gets, you know, five, ten more years of, uh, of, you know, just good cognitive life out of it, then, uh, then I think it's totally worth it. So, and it depends on how much, how much it really is going to help, but it's definitely cool to, to see this stuff happening. And for him to be able to be a part of the research, uh, project too, I think would be huge because then, uh, you know, the more people we've got involved in these research projects, uh, the more advancements that we can come up with to help people that that suffer from these things. So, yeah, that's super cool. Mm. I'm all for it. All right, well, that's all the notes that I have for uh, Mac OS nine. Or I'm sorry, Watch OS nine. Um, I've got Mac OS Ventura next. Alrighty then. So, <clears throat> get the bad jokes out. Oh, there's more. There's plenty oh, more. Mac <laughs> OS, the body Ventura. <clears throat> so anyway, um, the big headlining feature of uh, Mac OS Ventura was, of course, Stage Manager. And uh, I'm looking forward to trying this out, but I'll tell you, and I'll warn you if you haven't heard this already, that uh, if you update your Macs to Mac OS Ventura, um, Rogue Amoeba has basically said your apps will not work. Um, they're they're not supporting uh, any of the betas at this point. So, 
I can't update oh. anything because I use uh, between SoundSource and Adobe. I'm sorry, not Adobe. Um, Audio Hijack. I, I mean, I'm recording with Audio Hijack right now, so I would have to completely change the way I record if I'm gonna if I'm going to um, update to macOS Ventura before the release, the official release. Well, I'm still waiting for Isotope to get some of their stuff to work on Monterey. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Yay. Sound plugins. Yeah. So that's where, that's where we're at with that. But stage manager, I think, uh, what is your, what is your opinion of stage manager on the Mac? I mean, we've talked about it on iPad OS a little bit, but. Oh, I haven't, I'm not updating my Macs to Ventura right now. So. I'm not. I'm not saying I, I that you know. tried it, but like, do you, do you think this would be a useful thing on the Mac? Uh, I think potentially. Um, I mean, like I said, I love it on the iPad. Um, and my iPad or my my uh, MacBook Air is only slightly larger than my iPad screen, uh, and so it's a little tight on the iPad, the 11 inch, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, and my, my MacBook Air is 13, so it's a little bit bigger. Um, and I love it on my external display. Right. So I would imagine as it functions the same on both devices, that if I like it on the iPad, I would like it on the Mac as well. Um, and I think the good thing about it on the Mac is that window resizing has been a thing on the mac um forever and so a lot of the weird bugs on ipad os about resizing the windows and that sort of stuff um i would imagine are not there on mm-hmm. the mac because what's not new yeah. um the one thing i will be curious to see how it works is on on the ipad when you move and drag apps it kind of like moves them for you a little bit and like does what it thinks you want it to do and obviously that is not the way it works on the mac now you know without stage manager so i wonder if that's going to be the case uh on the mac is that it's going to kind of move your windows for you mm-hmm. um but yeah i think i think the success of stage manager on the mac is going to have 100 percent to do with uh, screen size because you know i have like on my 27 inch imac I don't have any problems. Like right now I'm looking at you in a, in a, um, in one window and then I've got, um, obsidian open. I've got, you know, um, our numbers doc for our show doc open. I've got, uh, um, behind that I've got Safari. So I've got some, some tiled windows laid out, um, on my MacBook, I tend to use spaces a lot on my MacBook. So I'm using a lot of full screen apps, uh, you know, split screen apps, you know, stuff like that. So, so uh, <laughs> do you want to address this on the podcast? My dog just, oh, my mouth was open and everything just. Oh, the look on your face. So his dog jumps up on his lap and is crawling across his lap. And then all of a sudden you just, just see cam his face, just scrunch up and he's pulling a shirt up over his nose. And <laughs> so, so it's putrid. So it looked to me like your dog passed gas right in your face. 
how do we go how do we go any further on the show here <sighs> there's some comedy in that <laughs> all right anyway uh stage manager i was saying uh would i think plays plays a part in a larger screen for sure uh, in the smaller screens, I don't see that it's going to be going to be as useful. So, so that was basically my conclusion to all I was saying. But I but do yeah. like though that it, it you can group certain windows together in it. Mm -hmm. You know that that feature is quite nice, um, especially if you're you know a spaces you like currently and you, and you kind of have to scroll through your spaces to get to those different combos now they're just right there mm -hmm. you don't have to you don't have to through all of them um which is gonna have to be a muscle memory change for some people uh if they choose and that's the other thing too is you only have to use stage manager if you want to use it right it's not the default um, which i think is actually making it opt-in instead of opt-out is a really smart move yeah um so if you want to use it you can if you don't guess what the traditional experience is, is the default. So yeah. the only default really is, uh, is the windowing. You know, if you want to use spaces, you have options to be able to do that. If you want to use the, uh, the stage manager, you have the option to do that. You know, it's just yet another way of managing your windows. So I'm interested to see if anybody comes out with an app that, uh, makes some kind of, uh, some kind of layer on the older, um, older Macs that can't update to Ventura that will do something similar. Kind of curious to see if, if somebody comes out with something like that. Cause my, like we discussed on the last episode, my, uh, my MacBook pro is just, uh, just barely misses the cut for Ventura. So I got a 2016 and it's a 20, you need a 2017 or newer. So makes me sad. All right. Well, I think we should move right on to mail. Um, so the mail app got a lot of the updates that uh, we saw in messages. So you've got undo send, you've got schedule send, follow up suggestions, remind me, and then they did a search overhaul. Um, I don't know if there's anything in particular you wanted to talk about it with this. I think the follow up suggestions are are cool, are interesting. That's one thing that I didn't didn't expect, but. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it to me, it all just seems like good quality of life improvements, right? Right. Uh, none of these really blow me away as in like, oh, my gosh, I've wanted that forever. You know, mm -hmm. like some people were that way about like the undo send or the schedule, scheduled send. But like, that's not really. I mean, is it nice to have? Yeah, because the one time you do say something stupid or, mm -hmm. you know, autocorrect gets the <laughs> the best of you. <laughs> um, it'll be nice to have the undo send instead of the awkward, you know, follow up. But it's all good improvements and good steps forward. Um, but again, mm -hmm. not going to, you know, change my life. Yeah. It's it's just email. I wish it would go away. Mm -hmm. 
No, and and I'm really tempted once I get everything updated to uh, to the next operating system. I, I'm all I'm up. I'm interested in trying the the mail app. I've been using Spark for years, so mm-hmm. I'm interested in trying it and seeing if it's if some. I you know I think there's value in using the uh, built-in apps versus using third-party apps. And uh, since they're starting to get to a point of parity with some of the features that I use, at least, uh, it might be interested to try. Interesting to try it and see, you know, how does how does this rate versus uh, a, a good third-party experience? So, I think uh, there were two. I mean, there was a the overall um, theme of collaboration with a lot of the uh, app updates in uh, mac os ventura and ipad os and a few others but uh, safari was is the next thing on my list and collaboration was definitely one of the things that they talked about but i think the um, interesting one that i want to try with you sometime is a uh, shared tab groups yeah this was pretty neat yeah so my thought is we sit down we're getting ready to to put together a show and we have a tab group that we share that has all the links for everything that we're that we're going to talk about on the show. And so then mm-hmm. all we got to do is we're both in the same tab group, and I would assume it's going to update live. So if I open up a new tab, you'll see it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see just how capable that experience is. So, Well, um, then, yeah, and then even in that case, all you have to do for show notes is just open that tab group and copy all the different URLs and... Bada boom, yeah. bada bing, and I guarantee you, you can make a shortcut to do that for you. Yeah. That will you hit one button, and it will grab all the URLs from the tabs in Safari and put them in a list for you. Okay, so um, so I don't I don't know if you've seen this on uh, Fireside. Fireside has a bookmarklet that I use. So oh, okay. I literally yeah. just I go to the website and I push a button and it adds it to show notes. So. Nice. So well, would then, it never mind? Yeah, would it be cool to see to just to, to figure out a way to add a whole tab group at once? I think it would be, but uh, we'll see. Uh, pass keys was the next thing they talked about. Who wouldn't love to not have to use passwords anymore? Like, I am the password. I know, and I, I I love the idea of pass keys, and I can't wait for this to become the um the norm in. Uh, in the operating systems and being able to just say, well, Hey, my phone is my password, you know, or the biometrics on my phone is my password, which if you think about it is kind of what they did with Apple wallet, you know? So yeah, your face is the, uh, is the password. So this is kind of taking it to the next step where, you know, my phone knows it's me, um, presumably. And I mean, not that there aren't ways around this, but but I think it makes things a lot easier and arguably more secure. Do we want to talk about gaming? Uh, no. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll just say they talked about gaming. Woo-hoo. They did. All right. Um, handoff for FaceTime. I yeah. Think- okay. So this is interesting. This is an interesting one because I think it falls into that category of things we didn't really know we wanted to know or we didn't really know we wanted. But suddenly it's like, yeah, you know what? I would like to be able to start a FaceTime call on my iMac and then move it to my iPad if I want to go like go up into the living room for something or something like that and just have that flexibility. I think that'd be awesome. 
Yeah, so there's there's that part, right? There's the switching of FaceTime calls from device to device, but then there's also the continuity camera, right? That lets you use mm-hmm. your iPhone as the webcam that also supports center stage and portrait mode. So you can have, you know, all that dreamy fake depth of field that still needs some work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a couple of pictures um, or a couple of videos in cinematic mode the other day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just, it still struggles with, certain things um it was yeah. like very noticeable that it was fake um but then there's this so you could you could be starting a facetime call on your phone head to your desk slap your phone onto your big screen it all of a sudden becomes the camera for the facetime call on your imac and then there's that crazy desk view that they showed mm-hmm. where your iphone camera is you know facing your you perpendicular to the desk and somehow it can with its ultra wide camera get your desk and somehow take what is like a 60 to 50 degree angle mm-hmm. the desk and make it look like it's floating above your desk now yeah. i don't know what sort of witchcraft that is it's well it's the ultra wide camera and then some, somehow they're the, they're getting rid of the distortion and everything at the edges of the lenses so <laughs> it's still witchcraft but I know. I'm saying like yeah. the physics. We're like we're we're brushing up against the laws of physics here, like that, and like the five nanometer. Like you can only get things so small, right? You know, or so we are we are we are quickly approaching um, the laws of of physics in in some of these things, and that's mm-hmm. very weird. So I think the thing that I was most excited about with the continuity camera is the stands that they were offering for them. So. I'm I'm looking forward. I'm thinking I'm going to get that little Bilkin stand for the uh, back of my iMac, and be able to when when you and I are on Zoom a Zoom call like this, um, be able to use that uh, that center stage feature and stuff like that to keep me in frame. So I think that'd be all really that cool. side to side movement you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, gonna get the- your cardio in while we're doing the show. Yeah, well, the other thing that uh, that I haven't mentioned, haven't told you yet, is I've I'm pretty much all but I've done everything I need but pay for it to get into my biblical counseling class this this fall, and so every Monday night, uh, starting in September, I will be on a Zoom call doing my doing classes for that. So, so even that center stage would be nice for that, and just be able be able to. Yeah. Uh, to know that I'm staying in frame all the time. And I don't think I, I don't know that I would have a use for the uh, desk view, but, uh, but yeah, that'd be be cool. I like that. All right. Do you want to talk about iPad OS or should we just wrap up? You know, I mean, it wasn't really <laughs> that exciting. Um, I think I actually got bored halfway through and just turned it off. <laughs> so I mean, but if you want to talk about it, I, right. you know, that's fine. Well, they they uh they have a weather app now on the iPad. That's pretty exciting. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> All the collaboration Thanks. features that they've talked about uh, up to this point are coming to the iPad. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had to itch my ear and everything. That wasn't working very well. Um, Freeform. What do you think about the... Uh, apple having a whiteboard app for their again it makes sense there are like you know me being a remote worker um for the last three years uh 
we use a bunch of different apps to do this sort of whiteboard thing. You know, there's a one called Mural. There's one called Miro. Microsoft Teams has one built in. Like this is pretty much par for the course. Um, now, how Apple will do it and what their features will be, you know, probably a little bit different. But yeah, it's, this is good. Uh, and this is them trying to get more people to use FaceTime instead of Zoom or, you know, Teams or what have you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think it looked pretty neat. Um, it, it, the one thing I will say is that I imagine the design of it and the experience of it and the tools that you get to use will be better than any of the stuff that I've used that's enterprise because that design sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Apple's pretty good uh, and is known to be pretty good at designing uh, nice things. So uh, I will definitely try it out. Um, I think it would be another fun thing for us to try out with the uh, the podcast sure. and the show. Um, so we'd have like the tab group and then we could do the the free form. You know, I could draw things on your face while you're talking. Sure. That'll be fun. <laughs> what do you think about it? Um, there, There's stuff that I would love to use this for, but that I think it would be really terrible <laughs> in the end. Um, I thought about what if we just did all our show notes in free form and just like wrote out, but then you'd have to try and decipher my handwriting and uh, probably it might go the other way too, depending, but, uh, or, you know, some, one of us would be doodling during the show. So, <laughs> or something like that. So it would, uh, I don't, I don't know that it would be terribly useful. I think we just switch swapped over to numbers for this, so which I think uh, the collaboration on numbers is working pretty good. You know, I don't have any complaints. But, but I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to try. I'm, I'm willing to definitely try it for whatever, whatever we want to, you know, play with it and see what it does. The one thing that I would like to know is, is it only usable on FaceTime calls or is it a standalone thing that like I could go into and I can make my own thing? Cause like, if that's the case and I'm thinking of like, this would be really fun for our Sunday night Bible studies. Cause like we do like, you know, we, we show videos and we have slides and we do this, that and mm-hmm. like being able to like zoom around kind of like uh, the Prezi. Do you ever know what those were? No. Oh, okay. Never mind. But like being able to like, you know, have here's the slide that we're talking about and then I can move over and show the video and then I can come down here and I can like handwrite, you know, things down for people. I don't know. It could be fun if it's a separate thing. But I I think it's a separate app that ties in with FaceTime. Um, But I don't recall. It's been a while since I watched the keynote. Yeah. Um, The next thing on my list here is share play for gaming. Yeah. I hey Mitch, you want to watch me play Hearthstone? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I you know I'm sure there's use cases for this. Uh, I know you and I have talked about in the past how SharePlay just really doesn't answer and you know isn't a solution for us in any areas. But but then you get these people that are just like, oh, we use SharePlay all the time for this this thing and that thing. So I think you know people will get use out of it. But uh, I it probably won't be us. So. Um, they did talk about desktop class app features, which I think um, I haven't heard a single podcast really talk about this well, because it's kind of an obscure, just just to say that title kind of obscures a lot of things. But it really comes down to all these little um, features that we're used to in macOS. 
that have not come to iPad, some of them are starting to come to iPad. So I don't know if you have any examples of this, but. Yeah, so like a lot of it's in files. You can do a lot more with stuff in the files app. You can customize toolbars too. So, you know, like oftentimes like in pages or numbers, you can change what is in the toolbar of that app. You can now do that in iPad as well, or in iPad OS, I should say. And they've made uh, all that stuff available via API for third-party devs so that they can take advantage of uh, all of these new features. And I will say the one podcast that I thought talked about it well was App Stories with Federico and John. Okay. They did, during the week of WWDC, they did one episode every day because they mm-hmm. just you want to punish themselves, I guess. And uh, one of them was... Uh, one of the episodes, one of the main topics was this desktop class app stuff. Um, and I thought they did a pretty good job of explaining it. The next thing so I have, it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, so, so I, this is just another step in the maturing process of iPad OS, right? Now we can do a lot more stuff with our stuff, which mm-hmm. is great. Uh, the next thing I got on my list here is reference mode. I know that I have no use for this, <laughs> but uh, but the idea of being able to put the the iPad into a mode where you can see true color and use it as a reference device. Reference um, monitors are so expensive. Right. Well, that was a lot uh, of the talk that came out about the XDR display when it came out, that it was a true reference monitor for a fraction of the price of what reference monitors go for so yeah so i got really excited about this and they're like but it only works on the 12.9 inch because i do photo and video right and so having one of my biggest concerns every single time is is this color that i'm seeing on my macbook on my phone on my external display is it going to display this way on other devices my mom's windows machine you know someone's android like you know or like the cheap you know whatever uh because color is really important mm-hmm. in in those settings and so there's a reason why reference monitors you know cost as much as a captive audience you know mm-hmm. uh so not you know not that i'm making anything you know for for hollywood but when people pay me to make videos for them, I sure would like the color to be accurate <laughs> across mm-hmm. as many devices as possible. So I was super bummed. Um, but the 12.9s are so much more expensive than the 11 inches. Right. I mean, it's like, to me, it was prohibitive because I looked at it. I was like, absolutely not. Right. Now they're rumoring, rumoring a 14 inch. I know. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, it's going to cost so much money and I'm going to want it so bad, but I'm not <laughs> going to get it because yeah. it will, it will be, stupid expensive yeah um well we can uh we can wrap up this section here with uh some features that are only coming to the m1 ipads that no one on the internet is upset about right so i will just say this there has been a lot of talk about and i know federico is really on this bandwagon right now of um he thinks apple will dial back on this and and provide some um some of these features for non m1 but very scaled back so where maybe you can do 
you can do your four apps in Stage Manager that say on my my iPad Mini, it'll mm-hmm. allow me to do like two. Yeah, because um, would you really want any more on an iPad Mini? I, I definitely wouldn't. <laughs> no, but but well, think of your think of this for a second. A non M one, a twelve point nine inch screen to do to put two apps on there you know, and, and use it that way to be able to use the external desktop support. I mean, quite honestly, I would love to be able to do external desktop support. I wouldn't use it a whole lot off my iPad mini, but I don't need, you know, even stage manager for that, but just to, just to be able to do something other than just a straight mirroring to the display, uh, would be nice. You know, it fills yeah. up the display. I'm able to put the put the apps full screen, you know, and, and it just would look nicer that way. So, yeah, I but, would I would love to be able to take my iPad Mini and you know plug it into a projector at church or you know into a TV at a friend's house and actually have an external display you know it just again the there's some modular. there's some expect there's some uh, exceptions to this i mean you you can use like um pages as a pages no a uh, keynote i'm sorry i have i don't use these apps enough uh keynote uh has the ability to send just the slides to a, a yeah, screen and format means- itself to that screen but you know that's very app specific mm-hmm Dude, what do you want? The trick, though, is <coughs> you would have to have a Bluetooth, you know, mouse and keyboard, right, in order to take advantage of the external display. Because obviously, you can't be touching the TV or the projector screen. Correct. <laughs> but you know, I'm sitting here with uh, with Universal Control set up, and I've got three displays on Universal Control. That just becomes a fourth display. And mm-hmm. so I can just pop over there and make some notes and, you know, whatever I'm using it for. Um, and that's off on my TV off to the side over here and, mm-hmm. uh, and do that that way. Now, would I do that all that often? Probably not. You know, I, I airplay to that TV every once in a while from my iMac for stuff. So that probably would be the way that I'd use it if I did. But, mm-hmm. but that TV is such a low resolution that for me to... You know, for me to use something like that, it's either the letters are huge, which, you know, I'm not arguing with because I'm sitting this far away from it. So if I'm trying to read something off of it, it, it works. But uh, but it's also, it's really not a computer monitor. So, um, so with the M1 iPads, we're getting uh, display scaling. So you'll have the option of being able to make your, your uh, letters smaller. <laughs> to get more it's not, but screen. it's not just that it's yeah. it's you get more pixel density right i'm joking because i know uh, that's that's the opposite of what i want but <laughs> i turned this on the second i got it the second i updated i turned it on mm-hmm. it's a good experience for you mm-hmm. okay i mean especially with the stage manager i'm 11 inch you need as much space as you can get so I just I have know. a feeling that I would be looking through my my progressive lenses, holding it at the exact spot where I could see it, and I would look like that old man trying to trying to read an iPad. But 
Did you have anything to add about stage manager on the iPad? I know we've talked about it quite a bit. I mean, I, I use it all the time. I love having my iPad plugged into my external monitor. Um, it is still, well, developer beta one, it was very finicky. I think, I think my iPad crashed five or six times while trying to do stage manager with an external display. And it oftentimes was initiating stage manager after I plugged in display, it would crash. Um, I sent all the feedback every time. Um, and so I'm excited actually to get developer beta two on the iPad and see um, how more stable it is. And there was also some weird stuff with like the, you know, using an external mouse, um, some of the like targets were off. Like, you know how like on iPad OS, when you hover over a button, it kind of like, like magnetizes to that button. Right. Uh, that was a little broken on my external display in certain, in third party apps. Um, and so I wonder how much of that is just stage manager and third parties apps struggling because it was developed, you know, and so I'm I'm looking for that to be cleaned up because it's really annoying when you're trying to click a tiny little three dot, you know, uh, button on the top of your app on a 4K screen. So it's literally like, you know, a quarter of an inch wide and like, no, just click on it. I want to like poke my screen. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, I really like it. And I also really hope that it gets better over mm-hmm. the course of these betas. And I think it will, right? It's, it's all refinements and they're getting a ton of feedback from a ton of people. Um, but in general, I am a big fan, assuming it gets to the place that I think it's going to get to, Yeah, you know, and I think it will. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. still kind of broken. The only other bullet point I had on here was external display support, which we've talked about at, at nauseum. So, um, so yeah, yeah it, it's it's some cool stuff with uh, that they're offering for the M1 iPads. I uh, I can also confirm, you can have eight apps on screen, <laughs> four on the iPad and four on your uh, external display all at once, which is silly, but I love that I can do it if I need to. <laughs> right. It's fun. Oh, you know what we haven't talked about yet? What haven't we talked about? TVOS. They didn't talk about TVOS either. Oh, okay. We're good then. All right. <laughs> didn't have any notes for that one. Panicked a bit. So so here, here's the thing about TVOS. <laughs> um, I think that we'll probably see something in the fall. Um, uh, yeah. I, I think there's enough. Up- I think we talked about this a little bit. Yeah. The there's a hardware week, or- update coming. So I I think you are spot on with this because yeah there just has to be right and like the only other option is that they they don't care and that and that the apple tv is not a thing anymore and (sighs) and i just i just don't believe that that's the case because with their them pushing into all the service services revenue that they've got uh, they can't afford not to have the apple tv in in the lineup so well, and how much they're pushing pushing the Apple TV plus service, but also the Apple TV app itself as a way yeah. to get you to all of the other services that you use that can tie in mm-hmm. with it. Um, and with the sports, like with with uh, Major League Baseball Friday nights, and they just signed a 
10 year deal with major league soccer to, to yep. show every single major league soccer champions cup and uh, MLS next and next pro, which is the lower developmental leagues globally with mm-hmm. zero uh, local market blackouts. There like, was... That's a huge deal for and... MLS, but for Apple's intent of, we want to be, we're, we're, we're serious about sports. And so I think, yeah, to that point, they need, now, can you get Apple TV uh, service on every other device? Sure, you can, but why not control the experience completely with your own hardware like the Apple TV as opposed to relying on, you know, uh, a Vizio smart TV or an Amazon, like whatever the case is. You know, Apple is a control freak, so I would, I would hope desperately that they keep the Apple TV and that they do, like we've said, give us that dashboard home view. Please, please, please. I just want to have pretty things on my TV that I can look at. So the other thing, there's been uh, rumors flying around here the last couple of days. Um, one one story said that there's no Sunday night ticket coming to Apple TV. There was another story saying that uh, Apple TV fi- or um, Apple finally made a bid on Sunday Ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, the story seems to suggest that what is going on right now is that Apple's made their bid, and um, the NFL has not gotten back to them yet. So they're it's kind of sitting in limbo right now, is mm-hmm. was what I'm understanding. So. Um, I would not be surprised if we start seeing rumors here in the next week or two uh, of what the decision is. And, of course, I don't think they're going to announce that probably until, you know, maybe they'll make an, make an announcement in uh, August. They would have to make it in August because well, it starts in September. So what you're saying is, because I know DirecTV's contract with Sunday Ticket's is it already done? Like, is there no Sunday ticket for this coming season as of now? I, I can't answer that question, unfortunately. Um, Cause I, I'd seen, you know, rumors about, you know, who was going to take Sunday ticket from direct TV and mm-hmm. uh, all that sort of stuff. And people were assuming it was going to be, you know, Amazon or Apple or, you know, one of those types of companies, but man, if Apple lend is Sunday ticket, dude, that would be so much more money for the company that already has all the money. Yeah, CNBC reported 20 hours ago that Disney, Apple, and Amazon keep waiting as NFL considers Sunday ticket offers. So those are your three big players right now that are that are bidding for uh, the Sunday ticket. Disney, Apple, and Amazon. And I wonder what they would charge. You know, because you've got the base, you know, Amazon Prime Video that just is included in your Prime um, subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can rent and buy movies. Uh, Disney Plus, you know, is 80 bucks a year, or you can bundle it with Hulu and, and ESPN Plus, right? And then you've got Apple TV Plus, which I don't even know how much that costs a month. Apple TV Plus yeah. is uh, five, $5. Okay, so it's at the same price as like Peacock and... Yeah. Okay. Well, it's but it's like, not it's not a they don't need to make money on that. Um they just need to 
they need to keep it even. They don't need to be making them. Right. Well, but my point is, is like, so you've got the base Apple TV Plus. The MLS subscription is going to be mm. in addition Correct. to that $5 a month. But you, everyone will get free games. It's just if you want all the games, right? you've got to pay in addition. And they still haven't announced how much that's going to be per month. Um, and so, so I would, I mean, they're, they're going to charge money for a yeah. for Sunday ticket if they get it. But So it's not for this season. It looks, yeah, okay. Looks I would, like, I would. It looks like Directv still has it for the 2022 season. I was gonna say, there's no mm-hmm. way we'd be this close to the season yep. with no deal done. Yeah, this is this is more likely gonna be for the 2023 season. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes more sense. And I'm and I'll be honest with you, I'm just reading headlines that I see on on Google. Um, I didn't go into any of the stories, but yeah. all the all the headlines seem to seem to suggest that it's that Directv still has it for 2022. There's one uh, uh, Sports Illustrated story, Apple likely to acquire NFL season ticket or Sunday ticket after the 2022 season. So I think that's uh, pretty definitive. All right. Well, I think we need to uh, move on and uh, get the show wrapped up. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about what's delighting us today. So we have a shared pick today for what's delighting us, which I think is pretty cool. And I don't have a spoiler horn, so um, maybe I'll have a spoiler jingle. Do you have a horn over there? Uh, no, but I got one of these. That's us opening the spoiler door. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you have been warned. <laughs> if you don't want spoilers, you should stop now yeah we we're at the door we haven't said what we're going to talk about yet we are talking about the obi-wan kenobi um a show on disney plus hello there hello there unfortunately i'm doing the backup recording on my uh my Tascam mixcast and i can't switch over to the uh the bank of uh, sound effects that has that so i can't play that but uh but anyway so what did you think man uh really good overall i really liked it i didn't realize until like the fourth or fifth episode that this was a limited run Mm -hmm. i thought it was a new show that was going to have like multiple seasons like the mandalorian right i didn't realize it was just a super short you know six episode limited series so i was kind of bummed about that but I, i will say this when we were talking about this i think two shows ago and you were telling me about the, I had seen the first two episodes already and you hadn't, and you were telling me about the book and what I was like, Oh my gosh, he's, he's going to be so happy. Cause yeah. like you, everything you said happened in the show. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, definitely the uh, broken down Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is just, uh, you know, messed up with guilt over um, Anakin's death and essentially feeling responsible for killing his his brother his 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 friend um because he turned to the dark side you know and feeling responsible for him turning to the dark side and just all all of that guilt sitting on him for this um he basically disconnected himself from the force or was disconnected from the force because of his feelings and because of how he you know dealing with all that well, and because of you know the Inquisitors. <laughs> yeah. Well, that helps so, too. Yeah. Yeah. You don't you don't so want to draw attention. Yeah. Lots of guilt and shame, and 
also slight life preservation yeah and i'm looking up because i've heard rumors that they're that they did, are planning a second season so um, oh okay good let me let me double check that before i say anything definitively um as of june 22nd it says uh that it's still considered a possible renewal um that there's no there's no announcement that they've renewed it which my my impression was uh, from the beginning that it was going to be just a six episodes basically what they were doing is taking the movie that they that they had planned and stretching it out into a six episode miniseries that that it really needed to be because i think if you would have tried to tell that story in two hours it would have been extremely oh, chaotic yeah. and difficult mm -hmm. um not impossible mind you but just you know not not something i think anybody wanted but um but yeah the, the you know and it makes sense when you start looking at the six episode series that you're really seeing you know a three um story arc you know really kind of take taking obi-wan's character and showing the evolution of him going from not uh not being able to um to really use the force effectively to building the strength back to really at the end i don't think we've ever seen obi-wan use the force that way you know the the scene where he's throwing rocks at uh at vader mm -hmm. and just pummeling him and just just the way he i don't know if we've seen the force used that way that way much in star wars you know it was just incredible because this was going to be the huge force showdown you know mm -hmm. we don't we've never had a scene this big for two characters to come against each other and so it i think um the finale really is what it needed to be between vader and kenobi and I have so many feelings about that scene. Um, you know, I think the brilliance of the scene was as as uh, Kenobi smacked or uh, cuts the part of the mask away from uh, from Vader, mm -hmm. and now you see Hayden Christensen's eye, and it's mm -hmm. so obviously Hayden. Yeah, and and the voice is mi mixing between hayden's voice and and uh the uh james, james earl jones well the james earl jones synthetic voice mm -hmm. i don't know if you realize that that his voice was completely synthetic but um but there was just such a brilliance in the way they played that that scene to you know to give vader that hey dude this is a broken dude inside this this um inside this mask inside this costume really you know that uh that he needs this this uh the suit to survive and and there is a vulnerability there but uh but it was just so neat to see um kenobi you know equal that power you know where i think that that we often get this idea that vader is i mean they played that off the whole the whole season up to that point Mm -hmm. that vader was just the force to reckon with and that nobody could come against him and then for kenobi to stand up and and come against him so strongly in the end was was perfect it was it was good
and I think the um the Riva storyline uh mm-hmm. really um came around in a way that was very satisfying. Yeah, I I mean that was I'm usually pretty good at predicting shows. Mm-hmm. And when cuz I didn't even I didn't even catch like obviously like when he when she's like Anakin's still alive, right? Mm-hmm. All I thought was like I was paying attention to Obi-Wan cuz he was like you know, and then he reaches out, you know, and feels him, you know, all that sort of stuff. It didn't even occur to me that the only person that would know he's Darth Vader is like Obi Wan, mm-hmm. and or you know, like that she shouldn't know who Anakin Skywalker is. Right. It didn't even cross my mind. And then they're talking through the blast door, you know, and I was like, there, I was like, oh my gosh, she's like the, the whole young. Oh my gosh, it was it surprised me very much and but that explains because i was like this girl is nuts right like she is so hyper focused and so um zealous right to 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 you know at first it's to appease you know vader and to become grand and quit and then it's like oh no she's on a she's on a murder mission to kill this guy yeah and she's using all of this as a way to get close enough to i was like man i did not see it coming and i was like this is this explains her drive Mm -hmm. so well and it was such a satisfying twist that it like that we got to see it play out even further yeah and then Um, in episode five to have uh you know to have him or to have her attack vader and obviously mm -hmm. that that wasn't going to go well for her um but uh but to have her attack vader um be broken you know Mm -hmm. based you know she got stabbed, but you know, nobody dies in sci-fi, but, uh, not unless we, not unless it serves the story. Exactly. But, um, but for, to have her left in a lump and then get this little bit of information about, about where Luke was. And then to have her go back to, in the, in episode six, show up on Tatooine. I thought it was really incredible how they managed to, um, keep the location of Luke secret or Leia for that matter. Keep that, keep those two characters still secret uh, from Vader. But, uh, but somehow we have this inquisitor who knows all this stuff and is actively pursuing um, these two characters, knowing that uh, Kenobi will respond to that. And that I honestly think that she wanted to kill Vader and Kenobi um, because Vader for obvious reasons, but Kenobi because she blamed Kenobi for the fall of Vader, mm-hmm. you know? And so the, neither one of these two people were, were on her, uh, on her friends list by any means. Um, so, you know, I think she really would have, would have uh, opted to kill both of them, mm-hmm. but to have her in the end, the, the grace and the mercy that that uh kenobi showed her uh won her over and she you know his uh exchange with her about how are you any better you know going after these kids you know don't you you were you were all your friends were killed in the jedi temple all these younglings were killed around you and you're avenging that by killing kids you know, and, and showing the apparent contradiction of that. 
and having that be what in the end uh keeps her from killing luke and it uh that was a really good character arc i think and i think there was a yeah. lot of questions early on in the in the series there was a lot of podcasts that i was listening to like what where the heck is this going like nobody liked this 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 uh, character and so it was really satisfying to see that character in the end have their redemption moment. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other, <clears throat> the other one, uh, or the other character that I thought was really, really good was Leia. And I think, the Oh, girl she that, was awesome. The girl that they got to play, like mm-hmm. looked the part, like mm-hmm. you're like, that could totally be Carrie Fisher as a 10 year old. Right. Like the, the sass and the spunk and like just, really really well done and that little girl's awesome and she did a great job acting she was phenomenal just amazing yeah and i enjoyed her performance a lot i think there's a reason that you didn't see a whole lot out of luke because i don't think luke the the character for luke had that had that uh the ability to be that character so they didn't want to pit the two of them against each other well yeah and i I, who's not to you know who's to say if season two if a season two happens and it's mm-hmm. maybe it's teenage Luke, like he's 15 or 16 or whatever. Right. And you know, but like, I think it, it would have been, I mean, the story was Leia and Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. you know, and then everything that, you know, happened to them. And so I think we got to see the beginning of Leia becoming, you know, Senator and, yeah. you know, all that the, sort of the stuff. Princess, um, yeah exactly she's obviously the princess but becoming the princess that we knew exactly that's going to lead the rebellion Mm -hmm. um so i think it would have been to like as you said a disservice to try and make it a story about her and obi-wan and then vader and reva and then also luke luke was just the sort of like a just a brief touch point here and there you know um story starts on Tatooine with the Inquisitors and, and Obi-Wan and then it ends there and the way they ended the show just I laughed so hard <laughs> when he walks up with the little you know pl- plane the toy ship, and, yeah. hello there and that's hello just there. how it ends I was like yes I, they did it they did it they leaned into the meme and they did it so so Wednesday morning I I was sitting with my iPad in my lap um watching the show because um I had we had our in-laws over, so I so they were in bed yet for the most part. Uh, I think I got about halfway through the show before my brother-in-law got up. Well, he hasn't seen any of it yet. My wife didn't want, didn't have time to sit down and watch it with me, and she she gave me permission to watch it ahead of time because um, I follow um, Star Wars Theory and I listen to his podcast, and he ruined one of the episodes for me and with a title of one of his podcasts, and I got a little bit miffed about that so um i was watching them right away on wednesday when they when they dropped so that i wouldn't have it ruined for me and then went back and watched it again with my wife later in the week when we had time to sit down and watch it so that's kind of i've seen most of the episodes twice because of that mm-hmm. but uh but as he says um hello there I shut my arm shut up and I was like, yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so what was awkward about that was that my, my brother-in-law was just coming down uh, for breakfast <laughs> and, uh, and he just kind of stops and he looks at me like, good morning to you too. <laughs> Dude, I wasn't, that wasn't for you. So it was kind of funny. 
Yeah. That's... But you're man. like, I would explain, but it's not worth it. Just yeah, go, go, just, get, you, go no. get your coffee. Go get your coffee. But uh, but it was. I will tell you that um, episodes three and four um, kind of felt a little bit unnecessary. Um, I, the story was there, but uh, but I I kind of feel like, man, where are they going with this? Like, there just seems to be a lot of chasing Leia around, mm-hmm. and um, and we got to see some planets that we hadn't seen before, which was was interesting and cool. Um, I don't know that there were a lot of planets outside of Tatooine and Mustafar that we saw in this series that we've seen elsewhere. So that was interesting. I was probably, there might be one in there that, that we've seen before. But. What, what was, did, did we ever find out what the planet that Vader's volcano layer was? Yeah, that's, on? that's Mustafar. Okay. Yeah, there's, <laughs> if there's one thing that was way over the top, it was his like okay. granite monolith of, of doom surrounded by flowing lava like so this is this is where the this is where the star wars nerd gets to educate you uh, go ahead so it's so still the, super cheesy so that river of lava that flows around his castle there is uh, where he fought obi-wan and uh, he built his he built his castle there for that reason because it was a um the sith feed off their their anger that that's part of being sith so for him to have his castle right there where he would be constantly reminded of that moment where where his teacher his his uh his master tried to kill him helped to feed that anger and so he that was very purposeful as to why he put put his castle where he did so you can say right. that it was over overkill but there was a purpose for for I why know, it was there kid- can you just see the supervillain stereotype? Like in oh, my no. giant castle in lava. But, <laughs> like, but and his... I get that it serves the story yeah. in that way, but it still made me laugh the first time I saw it. I was like, oh wow. Well, Someone's but if you leaning... if you watch Rogue One, it that castle's in Rogue One. If you go back through the comic books and all the books and everything like that, there's there's a ton of literature that goes back and talks about his castle being on Mustafar. So yeah, that's that's nowhere near coincidence why why he was there. It wasn't the super villain thing either. It's just just the way that was designed. Yeah, no, I get it. It yeah. just it still made me laugh though. Mm-hmm. I think it's really awesome the way we got to see a lot of stuff, a lot of the character interplay with uh, with Vader and with Kenobi and Anakin and Kenobi in the final episode. I thought the um telling the story of uh vader's um how what's what how do i want to go with this how his anger and his need to win um mm-hmm. really was his weakness and i thought i thought all that was really good we learned a lot more about that character we learned a lot more about the character of kenobi and kind of the the whole jedi sith thing um through this series and i thought it was very very good so yes 10 out of 10 highly recommend yeah i loved it we'll um, watch it again slog through a couple of the episodes that seem to seem to be kind of slow to uh, get to those final two episodes um because those really really wrapped up the the series satisfyingly so and i i like that we had some comedic relief from kumail nanjiani oh that was, was not expecting mm-hmm. yep <laughs> 
And we got Qui-Gon at the end too, which was it's like teased yeah. through the whole thing. I didn't like quite the way it played out, honestly. But uh but thankfully, like if we do see a season two, we can expect some scenes with uh with the, the force ghost Qui-Gon. So that should be interesting. But that was I think that was just a way of saying, yeah, Kenobi's back. You know. Mm-hmm. So all right. Well, uh, that about does it for us today. Um, just want to remind everybody that if uh, you want to check out more of our podcast, uh, you know, check us out a little bit more, whatever, you can uh, find us at innerdialogue.show. And you can also find my socials at um, mitchcraig.online. And uh, you can say hi to me. At cambrennan.com. Yeah, you can check out uh, everything that we've got going on on our websites. So, Cam, it's been a joy to uh, discuss uh, Kenobi with you and to uh, wrap up our discussion about WWDC. So, uh, you have a wonderful day, sir. You as well. All right. Peace.